Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA Podcast, and today's guest is a good friend of mine who you may know, Ryan Fluff Bruce. He has a YouTube channel called Riffs, Beards, and Gear, one of the bigger names in the guitar kind of gear space. He's been doing it for, I guess, probably almost 10 years now. He's been doing it full-time, I think, since like 2014. Super inspiring, just really great guy. Uh, I have talked to him before. I did an interview with him on my main channel, if you want to kind of get his origin story but hadn't talked to him for a while so just thought it'd be cool to catch up with him talk about what he's been up to the challenges of kind of growing a youtube channel and maintaining it once you do have an audience so always fun to talk to him i think you will like this one if you're into making your living as a creator or guitar or anything like that before we get into it there's a couple ways you can support the show if you are so inclined number one is You can share it on social media. That does a lot. Number two, you can buy some merch. There's a link to that in the show notes. Or number three, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes as well. And with that out of the way, let's get into this episode. Uh, Hello, this is Finn McKenty calling on a recorded line. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome to the podcast. It's been a while. I'm happy to talk to you. Dude, nice to see you and talk to you. And uh, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, you're seeing my ugly webcam video because that's how this works. But in real life, uh, I have this nice crispy GH5 video because Nick helped me set this up. Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, so what's new? We haven't talked in probably a couple months. What's new? Finally going on tour, which is weird. I don't know. There's like the whole, I don't know, I I guess uh, there's a whole PTSD element to going back out into society a little bit. Mm -hmm. We're going to be gone for six weeks. We come back. Uh, we're home for five days. And then we go and play a couple of shows with the Trey Unit 18 Visions, which is cool. Very cool. Yeah. So for anybody listening or watching who's not familiar, you are, in addition to being a guitar YouTuber, uh, you are also in a band called Dragged Under. How would you describe Dragged Under for uh, anybody who's uh, not familiar? We like to describe ourselves as punk pop instead of okay. punk it's a little heavier than your regular pop punk stuff, but we, I don't know. We, we're always trying to combine and seeing how we combine heavier elements and lighter elements. We actually just got done with our second record like two days ago. Cool. So, um, there's three, I think there's three acoustic songs. Um, Oh, yeah. We're, is, there, we're, is there a Telecaster? <laughs> there's a Gretsch. Oh, even worse, man. Right. Uh, dad breaks out the Gretsch. That's when it's time to go home. And there's the, uh, what is the thing? The, the, the Western, the, not is, uh, I don't know what a do- Dobro is that, or is that, is that no, something else? Or, um, it's the, uh, Vibra slap. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, we just went, we just went totally nuts and, um, it's our, it's, 
it's our in love and death for sure. It's so grand and so fucking awesome and epic. Everyone. Excellent. Well, let's let's talk about the band a little bit because that is one of the things I, I wanted to ask about. So you have been in bands for a long time. You had a band before called Rest Repose, which is basically the same band, but you know, kind of reboot-ish, rebooted under another name, kind of sort of. And one thing I've always really admired about you is you know your willingness to grind and I don't want to say eat shit because that sounds disrespectful. Like you were eating shit with rest repose, which you weren't, you know, you, you did all right. Yeah. But you weren't as successful as you wanted to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think like when I think back to the rest repose days, I very much like, you don't sit there at the time and go, Oh man, we're eating shit. But <laughs> it was very much like we never had any support. We would get these meetings with like, you know, management teams and record labels and like these people that can help you in certain situations and every single time they would hear the music and then like okay cool who's in this band oh you're just a couple of dumb youtubers yeah that's not for us thanks and it would the conversation would always end there so there was always this like weird stigma about that band um and i am super proud and i know the rest of the guys are super proud of what we did on our own we did several U.S. tours. Jared Dines was in that band, for anybody who may yeah. not be familiar. Yeah, and we we built something from absolutely nothing. And, uh, you know, we learned a lot from it. And uh, I don't know, you got to you gotta be comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's the only way you, you get anything. That's the only way you move forward in life, really, in my opinion. So I'm always interested in what happens with these, like, breakthrough moments that people have in their career. And I feel like, you know, Rest Repose was doing what it did, and then you turned it into Dragged Under, and everything seemed like it just kind of fell into place finally. Was there anything that happened, like any specific thing, or what What, what was what happened? Uh, kind of. I mean, the uh, so we had booked studio time. The studio, the, the timeline was kind of weird. We had booked studio time. We were on this tour as Rest Repose, and we were opening for a band called I Set to Kill, and they were in the studio at that time and they had lost their bassist and their producer Hiram was going to fill in on bass for them. So we were on the road doing this tour and we got to know Hiram and, and Hiram is, is a, one of the best guitar players I've ever heard in my life. Uh, but also like he has a real ear for like songwriting and the craft of songwriting. He was like, you know, we should, we should go and write some songs like after this tour. And we're like, okay, sure. So we pay and book the studio time for like two months down the road. We get home and rest repose promptly just, just implodes. Jared quits our drummer quit. Everyone quit. This is like 2018. This, this would have been uh January of 2019. Okay. Um, so myself, our dragged under singer, Tony and Josh, uh, Wildhorn, who was our brand new bassist at the time for Rest Repose, were left with the studio time booked, plane tickets, you know, plane ticket for Hiram coming up. And so we were like, okay, well, let's just write some songs and utilize the studio time anyway. We've already paid for it. And uh, we were still Rest Repose when we wrote the first four Dragged Under songs, the first half of that record. And we were going at it with a totally open mind. We didn't know Tony could sing. And it was just because oh, he was just kind of screaming before. Yeah, and he was the guitarist. Well, I didn't remember that. Yeah, he was the guitarist. And then the US, the last US tour we did, we we kicked our singer out and then Tony kind of filled in at the time. Oh, okay. Okay. Through the tour because it was sponsored and uh, we'd been given all the sponsored so money. Tony sold a goddamn sponsorship to somebody. 
Yeah, yeah. DistroKid had sponsored the uh, had sponsored the tour, and uh, Tony also sells ads for both of our channels. Uh, yeah. For anyone who's not familiar, good good friend of mine as well. He sells ads for Jared and Stevie T and a million other kind of music YouTubers. And uh, he was just crushing it singing. And uh, we wrote these four songs that we were super proud of, and they were just for us. Uh, that was when the real bad snowstorm happened. Mm -hmm. years ago and we basically got stuck in the studio with a bunch of thai food and energy drinks and uh we wrote these four songs that we just thought were really cool and we started giving them to friends just saying yeah, we think these are these are super sick and all of our friends were like yo like can i show these to my other friends like these are really really cool and we were like oh okay that's weird and one of the friends was uh joey bradford from the used and uh he called me and he was like uh we talked once or twice before about gear and uh he called me and he was like hey i just played these for like bert and jeff and, like the whole like i'm at rehearsal i just play these for the band I'm, like these are unbelievable like you guys should change your name and just start fresh and uh and we were like no we don't want to do that and then he said well bert thinks you should change your name and we we're like we should definitely change our name <laughs> that's a great idea that's bert. a terrible idea oh i mean i meant it's the best idea i've ever heard and we did. And uh, Joe's like, let me help you. Let me let me use my abilities and my connections to help you guys get you in front of people. These songs are really incredible. And one year, almost to the day, they took us on a U.S. tour uh, right when our, our record came out. And uh, they didn't have to do that. And it changed our lives. So the, the, I, to answer your question, that's why that was really long-winded. Uh, it was the songwriting. It was opening up to okay, let's actually write something for the live show as opposed to something that we just think is cool. Well, so what what do you mean by writing for the live show? Because I, I think those are, you know, I, I understand there's some bands, like especially like mosh bands or something, yeah. that would be way cooler live. But those songs to me, I mean, I listen to those in the car. Those don't feel like live show songs to me in that sense. The, the Rest Repose stuff? No, yeah. Dragged Under. We were, we were coming from the Rest Repose material going it's studio songs but like they just didn't translate live they were too mid-tempo they were too i see and so the first four dragged under songs were written with the explicit intent to just as high energy as possible yeah. for the live show first and foremost got it well i mean so there you go you were yeah doing doing the band thing for how long did that that was like three or four years or something before yeah. you kind of had your had your moment yeah, about four years of just <laughs> grinding. Yeah. But, you know, the music's done a lot. Um, I mean, you you had the perfect reaction when you... Do you remember introducing me to... Uh, I, I can't remember his name from Stick to Your Guns. Chris? Chris. And your first words out of your mouth was, you, should, uh, you guys should meet. His band is fucking sick. But we hadn't even done anything yet. And like, but you really enjoyed the songs. Like, that's what the songs... Yeah did for us so i mean you know thanks for that yeah i mean i legitimately you know i, I have lots of like we both do we, we have lots of friends who are our friends but we don't you know necessarily like their band you know what i mean sure um and and i i genuinely think drag under is a really good band even if you guys weren't my friends thank you thank you very much um and uh you know i think it's just a testament to the value of just grinding it out even when it doesn't feel like you're making progress on a day-to-day -day basis and it feels like you're going nowhere and like you're spinning your wheels, but you know, you are getting somewhere. Yeah. 
yeah, I think as long as you're moving, any, any forward movement is forward movement still, I guess. Well, so how would you say that that applies to YouTube? I mean, I think you're just so good at being consistent and just, you know, putting one foot in front of the other going down the path. Do you feel the same way about YouTube or is there something different about that? You know, with YouTube, I always feel like I, I do have these moments and I do firmly believe that like your only competition is yourself especially when it comes to doing anything public, you know, you doing a podcast or your channel or my channel and me, the most dangerous thing you can do is to look over next to you and see what your, your friends are doing, because it just, that doesn't matter because you will never be them and they will never be you. Right. I get caught up mentally in the, in the mind games that it's easy to do of like, you know, Oh, if you're not having a bad month or a video didn't do well, like, Oh, like I should change what I'm doing. Well, it's really just about, well, am I better than I was yesterday? Aside from whoever watches it, that that doesn't matter. Just am I doing, am I, is my lighting better? Is my camera angles better? Is my audio better? Whatever. And it's just keeping your head down and just heading straight forward, man. Like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe, but I always feel like the changing world of the social media stuff is this weird swirling thing. And I'm just kind of just, just can, I'm just trudging on through. I'm one of those icebreaker boats. That's just, okay, I'm going slow and steady. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. I think there's a lot to be said for that. I feel like, you know, there certainly are times where you do need to have that come to Jesus talk with yourself and go, all right, I need to make some big changes because what I'm doing is not working or, or whatever. But I think more often than not, people just need to kind of keep going. I mean, like for me, you know, I, I feel like I had success on YouTube relatively fast, all things considered. But even then, I, you know, I was making videos for nine months before I got anywhere at all yeah uh, and it was really fucking discouraging you know when you're putting out a video and it gets 50 views and one comment from somebody you've known for years and you're like okay i know that was a fucking <laughs> pity comment thank you but still it's fucking discouraging and i feel like i was glad that i was older because when i was younger i might have maybe given up or let that get to me more because I was just like, I'm going to keep doing this for as long as I have to to be successful. And if that takes two years, then it'll be two years. If it takes five years, then it's going to be five years. But I'm going to do this. Yeah, because you you love doing it. Like, and that's that's very apparent. Like, you know, all the content that you make, it doesn't matter like what it is or what you're doing. Like, you clearly enjoy the thought process behind what you're doing and like that whole thing. Like, it shows. That's why people watch. I have to give you a shout out for your help because, you know, really the conversation we had uh, at Joey's wedding was what made all this click for me. Oh, this yeah. was uh, 2018, I guess. Uh, we went to our mutual friend Joey Sturgis's wedding. You know, you, you've always been kind enough to give me tips and stuff like that. And uh, you told me, for one, that my titles and thumbnails, so uh, you said, if, if they're not cringing, you're not doing it right, <laughs> which uh, was true. And, uh, you know, you can see if you were to go back and look at my videos, you look, look at my thumbnails around that part of summer of 2018, and you'll see a moment where they become really cringy, uh, <laughs> like with the bootleg emojis and stuff, you know, and, and that was, that was, that was because of you. So thank you for that. And also that's when I remember we were sitting at the table at the reception when, uh, we came up with the idea for the uh, how to bring me the rise and gets a big video, which was my first really big breakthrough video. God. Um, so thank you, dude. Did you that's that's all you were so discouraged when we were talking like you were like really bummed out. Yeah, I don't remember that, but I believe it. 
like you you really came across just like fuck what do I got to do here? Like, oh, like you were just, you, you were very frustrated. I guess yeah. is the more applicable. I was. Uh, but dude, no one could make, no one could ever make those videos like you make those. Like, those are so fucking, those are so good. Those are so good, man. I'm such a fan. I haven't done one of those in a while because for some reason, like I did like three of them or something. They did kind of okay even though they were about big bands that I know people care about, like Blink and My Chemical Romance, and I forget what the other one was. They, they did all right. Because compared to like negative content, they just don't do nearly as well. But I kind of want to bring it back because people do ask about it a lot. It is kind of interesting that as much as people say they like it, you know, the negative content is what does best. You know what? That's so funny you say that. Um, I had someone reach out and... They were like, hey, we represent this guitarist and we would really love to do a riff wars with you. This was actually just this morning. And I said, well, that's that's very fighting. That's very cool. No one cares about riff wars. The first three that I did got almost two million views. The last three I've done barely broke 10,000. It's just wow. not, not even no one cares. There was a huge gap of time, like two years between the first couple and then the second half. But no one cares about those. But going along with the negative content thing my ridiculous reverb ro roasting mm -hmm. uh, my raider roast those are the biggest videos that i do and yep those are absolutely massive it's all kind of it's the least amount of negative i can be or i want to do or, or most amount in negative yeah. i want actually but you know it's still like those that's what gets people they want to see fluff talk shit about reverb listings yeah, you know, but like that in that scenario, like that's easily justified for me because I'm just like, you fucking asshole. Just because Eddie Van Halen died doesn't mean you can charge 4,000 bucks for 5150. Like, hey, well, if someone, you know, whatever the market will bear. But yeah, it, it is interesting. And the, the gear space in particular has changed so much since you started. We've talked about this before, but, you know, there was the good old days back in 2014 when you could make a video called um, Mesa Boogie Dual Rectifier Review with the auto-generated thumbnail and it would get 300,000 views, you know? Facts. Oh God, I miss those days, man. <laughs> yeah, like, fuck. It, it seems like the gear space has gotten 10 times harder since you started. Yeah, there's a, a couple of things compounding that. People love to blame the, the algorithm and all that stuff. That's that's only just a very, very small part of it. But now you have things like timestamps and there are certain there are certain standards with which you have to adhere to. But there's also like the rise of of the gear clicks and uh you know the fanboys and like mm -hmm. the reaper users of the gear world you know as who, who would you say are the reaper users of like guitar gear so originally so the very first ones that i remember like historically were the fractal axe fx fan mm -hmm. those guys and and bless them for being you know any, any anyone who's passionate about anything healthy like that with gear i support but when it becomes when it crosses the, the threshold of being unhealthy of telling someone else what they should like and that what you have isn't good enough to be creative like that's when it just it oh my god i go insane the fractal kemper wars of 2014 yeah lost a lot of good men we, dude <laughs> honestly and then you have you know the kiesel army with the fanboys and i'm not talking about the the, the gear companies themselves i'm talking about the user base of right of the gear um uh, the Kiesel guys, the, the Fortin Army. Mm -hmm. I paid three hundred dollars for a one knob pedal, so I'm better than you. It's like, well, no, no, like 
what I use is just fine too. Um, you know, the neural DSP clicks. Yeah. You know, quad cortex. It's Neur neural is the new axe effects. And neural, I'm a huge fan of neural. Great, pro great products. I, I mean that in a good way, but it's but it's also true of the the fans too. But their user base uh, can be extremely toxic. I've seen it over and over again, and I just have these young kids writing to me going, oh, "This thing that is more than capable, it's not good enough." Like, what you know? How can I? You know, it's just like that's heartbreaking. I that wasn't even a thing when I was their age, man. Like, it was just this is what I have. Okay, and like I was stoked as fuck on my crate 50 watt combo i thought it was the shit right like it never occurred to me that i needed anything more than that or that there's even an option like i i thought it was cool when i like got a metal zone to plug into it i was like i'm set right if if, if you think it's awesome then it's awesome period yeah and the interesting thing with gear is this is something that you don't really learn until you've you hear other people say that tone is in the hands and and you don't believe it until you get the chance you know to use some of this stuff and and you realize how true it is like i remember when i went to your house once you actually had one of john petrucci's guitars there i did yeah did did playing that guitar make you sound like john petrucci Unfortunately, no, <laughs> not so much. You still sounded like fluff, right? Yeah. Not saying that's bad, but it, it really is true. But yeah. Uh, yeah, getting back to like the the gear space, I feel like another part of it is just that there's so much more of that content now than there was back then. Like I remember in 2014, there was like three good videos about like high gain amp shootouts. You know, there was that one guy from Russia that did. Do you know what I'm talking about? He did like seven amps. Yep. And it was, and they were mic'd like an SM57, and they all sounded kind of, yep, brittle and shrill. But yep. still, it was something. Uh, you know, when I started, I started really posting in, in 2011. I went full time in 2015. But when I even in 2011, I thought I was too late. Then I was sure I was too late uh, because there was already three channels that did what I wanted. <laughs> That's right. I, oh, I'm too late. No one's gonna watch me. And now, now it's become so commercialized. And then now, like you, I see a lot of younger, newer channels uh, doing it for money. Oh, they want to do the sponsored stuff. And like all these, you know, companies that I've become friends with over many, many years, like I hear what they're asking for for crazy reads, like thirty second reads, like oh, you know, you have ten thousand subs and you're asking for a thousand bucks a video, huh? Oh, right. That kind of thing is just watering everything down i think it's going to collapse uh and it kind of already partially has like they're going to go with who they like mm -hmm. and then everyone else is going to be left behind you got to be really fucking special in order to put your head above water but there is always room at the top for the best so if you're good it doesn't really matter yeah i think people you know it's true that youtube or or anything that anybody wants to do is crowded you know i mean like of course if something's cool a lot of people want to do it like i don't know being a football player or whatever else but sure. is there room for a shitty football player or a shitty youtuber no mm -hmm. but is there room for a great football player or great youtuber absolutely if you yeah. are really good at what you do there's always room always good content's good content like and whatever they bring to the table probably pretty unique if if people are like really gravitating towards them like good's good yeah i wonder what that would be that you know the, these people you know in any kind of field 
somebody comes along every so often that sort of redefines what people's expectations were for it and just kind of revolutionizes everything. I wonder what that would, I mean, I feel like you guys, your generation was that for the gear space in general on YouTube, like yeah. you and Ola and Glenn and whoever else, you know, kind of came along and defined the space. I wonder what the next version of that will be or look like. There's a dude that I know, his name is Kyle Bull. He's in the gear space and I'm a huge fan of his stuff. He went the other way. He went super stripped down, high quality, mic'd properly mic you know a proper microphone in front of the cab and he'll do amp shootouts he'll do pickup demos but what he does is so simple and uh and stripped down and so pure it's just a good lighting a good angle and that is it and i don't know it's kind of like it's kind of like just a, it, he's a he's a slice of cheese pizza mm -hmm. you know, when it, everyone else is doing the artichokes and fucking yeah. artisanal bacon and whatever got what you need but he yeah. doesn't have anything that you don't need. And you know, there's still a huge amount of gear that's not well documented. Oh. Like, you know, me, I'm into all that weird like 80s and 90s, like rack mount shit, solid state stuff. There's zero good videos about like the Rocktron Chameleon, for example. At least last I looked. Oh my god, that's such a throwback. Yeah. And I'm not, I don't know if there's a huge, you know, there no, there can be. Here, here's what I would say. That is not a popular piece of gear. And so people might think, oh, well, nobody's going to watch that. I have to review the same new modeler as everyone else because that's what people want to see, which which is partly true. But I would say if you're good, you will get people to care about that piece of gear. And you might even like be responsible for reviving that piece of gear. Like, have you ever seen that car YouTuber, Doug DeMuro? I have. Yeah. I don't give a shit about cars. I don't know anything about any of the cars he talks about, but I'll watch his shit all day long. He'll just do a 20 minute video about some obscure BMW from like 1984. One take doesn't use a single fucking filler word. <laughs> He's no. so good. He makes me care about this random car. And I think, and people could do the same thing about gear. You know, I think it's just, the problem is everyone's just trying to do the same thing that you guys do. And it's like that slot is already fucking filled a hundred times over. The world does not need another person reviewing the latest modeler. Dude. Uh, I agree. There's a, I don't know if you watch any, uh, do you watch tech stuff like camera? Sometimes. Yeah. There's a, there's a guy that's blown up. His name is Gerald undone. Have you seen? I know his name, but I've never seen it. So he has blown up because he also kind of went the other way. He went extremely clean and simple presentation and this dude, his ability to rattle off the most minute specs and to then compare scientifically other, like, it's just crazy. So, like, you have, like, uh, Marquez Brownlee, like, going to his channel and being like, dude, I have never learned so much about a camera in five minutes as I did with your video. Wow. You know, it's the same thing. Everyone wants to be MKBHD. Well, he already exists and he's great. So amazing. I love him so much. So don't be him. It's okay to be your own thing. Yeah. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ready for a head-bangingly good time? Dive into the world of heavy metal with the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Here, we don't just talk music. We welcome you into our heavy metal family. Join us for candid chats with legends and rising stars. We go beyond the typical interviews, exploring raw emotions and the life-altering impact of heavy metal. So whether you're a diehard metalhead or just curious, join our family and let the headbanging begin with the Brutally Delicious Podcast. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. I'm always sort of wrestling with myself about, you know, whether I should try a new thing or not on YouTube, you know, like, Oh, I've got this idea, but I don't know if people are going to like it or not. Yep. I know you've had some, some ideas in the past that like you, like, I know for a while you were talking about like bringing on co-hosts and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, how, how do you kind of, think about that about trying new things versus sticking with what works because that's kind of like the eternal struggle for me my my fear was getting trapped in the gear space of i can only do demo demo mixed song chug chug and that's it and i was scared to death of being stuck into that and then um i would make a, a couple of posts and i would ask you know hey i'm thinking about doing this thing is that all right and the resounding response from my viewers was if you're if you're like really like passionate about it we're here for it we don't really care like we just want to see you be do you so whatever and the the raider the very first raider roast my rig i was just like this has got to be fucking stupid right like this is this is dumb like who is gonna watch me talk shit about people's setups like so, so what is that for what is that series for anyone who hasn't seen it 
the origin of Raider Roast My Rig started with me seeing my own rigs from like Facebook memories, like me a post 10 years ago going, oh, look at this sick. Like, and I just laugh now. I'm like, you know, dude, you were single. And why did you have three half stacks in your front room? <laughs> you weren't even playing shows, man. Like, what are you doing? Like, that's such a guitarist thing to do. Yeah. I thought it would be funny if I applied that same kind of comedy to other people, like, cause we can all make fun of ourselves, especially our past selves. So, um, I basically I'm sent, I am, people ask me to roast their rigs and it's basically, they submit a photo and I pick them apart. Some of them, you know, are in front of their grandma's bric-a-brac and like, you know, it's just, you see all sorts of wild shit and I basically roast them and I give them a rating on from one to five beards. and there is an element of interactivity with that that comes along with that. People get to comment, oh, that was mine on blah, 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 and you know, whatever. After the first episode, I started an email account, and that email account is still like six or 7,000 deep. Oh, but, wow. And you're up to what, 19 episodes of that or something? Uh, 46. Oh, Jesus. Wow. The, re- wow. the Reverb video is up to... Oh, I the think- Reverb ones. Okay, that's what I was, I was confused then. Yeah. Yes, yes. So I did the Raider Roast, and kind of a takeoff of that was Ridiculous Reverb Listings. Um, which is me roasting people who are asking way too much, or it's not necessarily about money. It's just things like, you know, here's a sixties Dan Electro cardboard box. It's vintage. So I want 500 bucks for it. Like what? That's, that's ridiculous. To me, that's always what I'm looking for is like basically ideas for new series, Uh you know, like one-off videos are cool, but what I really want is, you know, something I can do several episodes of. How do you find that? You just like try shit. And if people like it, you do another one or. Yeah, honestly. So the very first, so I did the first reverb and I was like, oh, I don't know. This is a little uncomfortable for me because I don't like to spread a lot of negativity, believe it or not. And I thought, well, where's the line of like, am I attacking these sellers? But then again, this is like a public website and like, yeah, you know, they're selling their wares. So whatever. I did the first video and in the first 24 hours, it did like 70,000 views, which is like, that is fucking crazy for me. I mean, if I do, if I do 10 in a day, the first 24 hours, I'm doing really, really good. Cause usually the way my videos work is they'll, they'll have like a three day gestation period. I started getting all these calls from people I went to high school with and really distant family members. Oh, I, this was being passed around my office. Uh, this was in like a company email. And then I got a call from the head of reverb going we're passing this around the office, man. Like, uh, that's a, that's, that's fucking brilliant. Like you should do another one. And I was like, wow, that's okay. Did another one, did the same thing. So every time I release one, it's just, it explodes. And hopefully you have a reverb affiliate deal. Uh, I do. Although I don't link to these things because the, 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 the tough, the, the catch part, the, the catch 22 about the reverb stuff is uh, by the time uh, there's also an email where people can submit. Yeah. Usually gone by the time I get to them. But at least you get to link, you know, it, it's a nice link to just yeah, reverb yeah. in general. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's man. It is such a challenge to to cover new ground, especially, you know, in a space like yours or mine where, you know, there's I don't know, whatever, like. 20 big bands that we know are going to get lots of either Slipknot and Lincoln Park and Blink and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, in gear space, there's, you know, there's the 5150 and dual rectifier and there's whatever these like kind of big flagship things are where you know that you can cover those and, and those will get engagement. 
But once you've checked all those boxes, it's like, oh, well, uh, now, now what, you know, and like squeezing blood from a stone like that is, is really hard. And that's what I really admire. It's like people like you who are able to do that for years and keep digging deep and finding those fresh ideas. It's tough, but now I have these, like these, I, so now I have the FAQ Mondays, the Raider Roast, the Ridiculous Reverb Blessings, in addition to the gear stuff. And so, I don't know, I feel really lucky because that makes it, so I can do every other week, I can do something else, and like, it really lets you space it out, and so you're not milking any one thing and overdoing any one thing. So, it's pretty cool. Well, speaking of Mesa, I know you're a big fan. What What I need to know, though, is your your honest opinion of people who say it as Mesa or Mesa. I've been corrected <laughs> a few times. And my, my argument there is, well, I went to the fucking factory and they say, welcome to Mesa Boogie. So I don't know. You should probably go tell them they're pronouncing their company wrong. So I, I'm offended when I hear people say Mesa, I'm offended. That's not how it's said. There's, there aren't two S's. It's, it's, it's Mesa. Thank you. Thank you. What I'm also offended by since, since I've got the gear guy on the, on the phone here, I texted you about this a while ago. I'm deeply, deeply offended by the PRS Mesa tone of like the late nineties, early two thousands, deeply offended by it. No, I love, I love dual rectifiers. It's the PRS part that offends me. The nineties guitar sound was the PRS into the dual rectifier. That is the modern equivalent to a Gibson Les Paul into a Marshall. That's I'm offended by it. I I want an ESP into a 5150. Ooh, mm, there you go. I mean, EMGs. Exactly. Exactly. No attack. (laughs) No mids. Gain all the way up. Yes, that's that's what I want. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I I, I wonder why it is, though, in gear that I guess it's the same as music. It's it's just strange to me that people seem fixated on these certain pieces of gear, like the 5150, you know, and what I mean, 5150 is a great fucking amp, like it's a great piece of gear, like Nobody ever went wrong buying 5150, but it's just interesting how in any of these spaces, people really become fixated on these flagship pieces of gear or bands or whatever, and really don't seem interested in stepping outside that. I'm sure you see that in the view counts of your videos. You know, you're like, man, this is a fucking great piece of gear, and I really want people to care about this, but they just don't. Or the people that are like, well, why don't they make it how they used to make it? Like, why don't they... Uh, you know, the newest Mesa rectifier, the Badlanders went back to the two channel format. It went back to like all this old school features and people are still like, well, it doesn't sound like a fucking to get nerdy, a revision F. Like, how come they just don't make that again? I'm like, well, they made thousands of those. Go fucking buy an old one. then if you want that, like, it's the same argument of like, why don't you do master puppets again? Because we did that. Because we did it in 1986. Like as a company. I don't know, like, I guess you could use Gibson as an example. They have come full circle. They are now basically making what was their, I think, a 1968 product line verbatim as their core model. I mean, and they did go back to the what they want. But I mean, that's kind of a classic guitar company, not a great example. But I don't know. Any one of these companies could make an exact replica. PV could come out with an actual 5150 tomorrow and people would still be like, oh, yeah, no, it's not good enough. Yeah, it's like, well, the the guy, it's literally the same engineer that made the original. He says it's the same, but 
you said it didn't. So I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, in the microphone world, I'm talking into a Neumann microphone, and I know for a fact um, they had a limited edition run of, this is going to get super nerdy, but follow me here. Oh, uh, these U67 microphones that were like, that were made in like the fucking 40s and 50s, highly coveted mic. If you find an old one, it's like 50,000 bucks, right? Well, they have a stash of new old stock parts that were made at the time back then, and they did a run of like 20 or 30 of these, and people were still like, doesn't sound like the original motherfucker. It's like literally a box of the same shit. They literally sourced from the same box that those old ones were made. Oh, yeah. oh, like you just can't please people. Well, people, people had tell themselves these stories, these like urban legends that, uh, you know, become the truth, even though they're not. And it's so interesting. Yeah. I want to talk about YouTube gear a little bit too, because I do get questions about that. And, uh, and you are a, a gear hound in the YouTube world. I mean, this is what, like the fourth, you know, mic or whatever that you've gone through in the past couple of years. Each one, you swear, no, this is the best. This is great. This is best mic ever. What? Yeah. <laughs> was that? Wow. Okay. That first of all, that impression was dead on. Bravo. No, I, you know, I like, I like improving. I like trying stuff. I mean, it's gear for me is the shoes, right? So they're not going to help you. They're not going to make you run. Will they make your running a little easier, depending on what they are? Yeah, if you're gonna you're gonna run in running shoes instead of boots, yeah, they will. So, whereas I'm kind of the opposite of that. I don't enjoy gear. I do like the least possible, the shittiest possible gear I can get away with and yeah. get results, um, which sometimes does hold me back. For example, like the horrible like grading preset that I used on my videos for like the first year that made me. If anybody has watched, I was like. I feel like I must not have had any friends because any real friends, because it looked so terrible and nobody took me aside and said, that looks like shit. You should stop doing that. I distinctly remember seeing some of your early videos and going full dad on you without you knowing it. And I was just like, he'll figure it out. <laughs> you got to learn sometime, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you, you let the kid touch the, the hot stove, I guess, and figure it out on his own. Well, in any case, I feel like, you know, for a lot of people that want to start doing stuff, you know, they think they have to get all this gear and they think they've got to have, like, you have an amazing setup. Thank it's you. fantastic. I would love to have it, but I know that I don't need it. And I feel like a lot of people kind of hold themselves back by feeling like they need all this shit to get started. What, what would you say somebody actually needs? Like if they want to start a YouTube channel doing something, you know, like one of us, what do they actually need? Honestly, they need a good set of headphones, a hundred dollar interface, a computer, obviously. I mean, that's pretty much a must. And I don't know, I'd say a pretty decent microphone. You could actually like I did these packs with Sweetwater where you can uh, you know, good, better, and best. And like you can get a hundred dollar microphone and record guitars with it. You can speak into it, it's gonna sound make your voice sound great. You can record acoustic guitars with it, you can do Mic interface, headphones, and a computer. It's literally all you need. And what about a what about a camera? Should they just use their phone, or what would you suggest there? Um, I will note that um, during most of COVID, Adam Savage has tested one of my favorite YouTube channels. He was using an Android smartphone that entire damn time hmm. with no external microphone. It sounded that it sounds great and looks great. Yeah, you can absolutely use your phone. If not, you can get. I mean, that's where the big money is, right? Like that's where 
most of your expense would come from, you know, a Sony. I mean, I'm on a, an A6400 right now um, for my, for my uh, live streams and my Zoom calls and stuff like that. But honestly, GoPro, I would start out using your mm -hmm. phone because that way you can at least see yourself and what you're doing. Like when I started, not to sound like an old man, but, uh, you know, when I started the YouTube thing, we had those, uh, me and my buddy Nick Pierce used to get refurbished. You know, remember those flip cameras? Yes. So we used to get refurbished flip cameras off of eBay for $60 and you couldn't see in front of you. So you couldn't vlog with them. So what I would have to do is oh. I, would have to, I would have to set it up and kind of <laughs> do this. And I would have to point it to where I thought I would be sitting. I would have to run the video demo, take it down, review the footage. And if I didn't get the angle, I would simply do it again until I got it. So I think that's such a good point. I'd say this with like recording too. whatever, like the shittiest gear you have now is better than what the people who made your favorite albums and videos had 10 years ago. 100%. Like, like our, our mutual friend, Joey Sturgis, for example, like he was making shit on some, like, you know, the, the records that everyone thought sounded amazing in 2009 was like on some piece of shit gateway PC that his mom bought him. That's right. You know, like literally. In a fucking garage in Indiana with, I think he had those like $300 like Audio-Technica mics, not to say $300 isn't a lot of money, but in the context of making an Asking Alexandria record, you know, that's probably literally like the only mic he used on that album. So you can do great stuff with bullshit gear. And I just think it's unfortunate to see people kind of feel held back because they, they feel like they need to have a bunch of fancy shit. And I don't, I don't think they do. I will say and I'm sure you would agree with this, that good audio is a lot more important than good video. Dude, I preach that all the time. If you're going to pick one or the other, make your sound awesome. Video People will put up with fairly shitty video and you can do a lot to fix, you know, to fix video in the mix, let's say. But, you know, like if your audio, especially like if it has a lot of reverb, there's not much you can do about it. Um, that's actually why I can't listen to a lot of podcasts. I tried to get into podcasts and there's lots of, really really good ones and there's no standard for podcasts whatsoever and so as an audio guy i can't listen to someone talking on their apple headphone microphone in a comp what sounds to be a giant church cathedral <laughs> like i just drives me insane i can't do it <laughs> the church cathedral yeah it is surprising you remember like uh during the beginning of the pandemic when every late night host was doing the show from home Mm -hmm. on a fucking potato and like how does jimmy kimmel not have somebody in his life that will fucking show him how to make a decent video from home like how am i making better videos than jimmy fallon i couldn't believe dude i <laughs> i was screaming at the top of my lungs at the beginning of cover like oh you're telling me nbc can't afford to send him an iphone <laughs> literally like this is on some fucking like laptop webcam Oh my God. It was horrible, dude. That was, that was a dark time. It's, it's baffling. I still don't understand why that happened. I don't know. And then it was only like eight months later. Then you're like, Oh, okay. Someone ran a camera over to them clearly and set up a light and set up a thing. So they all clearly only had to be like, okay, now Jimmy, when right. it's, uh, just press the big button, that's <laughs> base bar. Okay.
But, and why did, why did it took them eight months to figure out? I don't know, but whatever. If you're comfortable, maybe we could, I, have, I have one last question. If you have time, we could take some Q&A after this. Um, so I do not have the chat open right now. So don't ask your questions right now because we won't see them. Wait until I mention it to, to, open, to, to ask your question. But where do you see this going? And where do you see like your life going, let's say in the next five years? Because this is a question I ask myself all the time. And, you know, because we're old men. What are your thoughts? I don't know. I think the, the just, just a quick casual question. <laughs> yeah, just a quick, uh, not deep at all question. No, no pressure. Um, I don't know. I think the band thing is is pretty interesting. Um, we're doing some tours. We're playing some massive shows uh, that I don't I don't I don't think only half are announced yet uh, in Europe. Um, things are really happening on the band front finally, which is great. Um, I'm also I've also been hit up by like you know to do like a Netflix show, which oh really. It didn't go through, which is why the only reason I can talk about yeah. it. But so I'm on the radar with other people, I guess. Um, so I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I, I hope I'm still doing this or something like it because uh, I don't know, man. I just want to just want to crush the world and just do everything I can. Man, that's how I feel. I'm like, I got a good thing going on and I would like to keep this going on. And I don't, I don't sometimes I don't know how. You know, and I'm just like scared that this thing is going to slip through my fingers because I'm I'm really happy. You know, I was not happy for the majority of my life, Same. and I, I I am happy now. And it's almost it's almost scary to be happy, you know, because you feel like you have something to lose. Do you ever wait for something bad to happen? You're like, okay, it's like a weird balancing of like, oh, something really good happened, so that means something really fucked up is going to happen. I don't know what it is, but I'm waiting for it. Like your, your guard is always kind of up in that way. Oh, I, that is the way I feel 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Same. It's so it's like, all right, when's everything going to fucking fall apart and everything's going to suck? Dude, yes. You know, what's weird for me, maybe it's not weird, but you know, I'm very aware of my age, I would guess you would say, because, you know, we're, we're very old by YouTube standards. Are you 40 now? I'm, I'll be 41 in November. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're very old by YouTube standards. And it's, and I think it is a little bit different now than especially like 2013, 2014, you know, YouTubers were all like children it, and it's definitely different now. There's lots of adults and grownups on YouTube and stuff. And I don't think, you know, I don't think it's as unusual now, but still, you know, I, I feel like everyone else stays the same age and I keep getting older and there's no reason why that means I have to stop doing anything. But for some reason I, I have kind of a weird hang up about it. I, I don't know. I agree. I've actually, it's, it's been a huge factor in me. Like I've never taken multivitamins. I take, I'm, I, I joke. Uh, I am held together by kale multivitamins <laughs> and apple cider gummies. Like I've, I've lost a bunch of weight. Uh, cause I had to stare at my fat ass when I was, when we were filming a live stream in December. Yeah. I saw in your Q and a or your, your FAQ recently you said you lost like 40 or 50 pounds total. I mean, that's over a you know, several, several years, but yeah. most recently I, I've lost about 20 and it's, you know, it, feeling good is important and being healthy is important. And I wish I would have wrapped my head around that when I was like 20. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I consider myself fortunate. I, I did. I, I was about 25. I, I got kind of big. And when I was like uh, 25, I sort of woke up and I've been taking care of myself since then. But uh, let's let's open it up for some questions here. So uh, if you got one open, uh, I'll open the chat here. I'm still 
fairly new to this Twitch thing. So I, I don't know where the menu, I closed the chat and I don't where, know where it went. So we'll just look at it here. But yeah, here, here we've got one from Nipples. What mashup of genres would you like to hear? Oh, man. God, I don't, I, so do I have to mention one that like doesn't currently exist? Is that the spirit of the question? I think it is. I guess, yeah, I think so. I guess I would love some kind of, uh, since I'm a grunge kid growing up in the 90s in Seattle, someone to take like a grungier, riffier thing and maybe add elements of, I don't know, like uh, not disco, but like dancier, more rhythmically uh, based music. Disco what? grunge. Disco grunge. Okay, I'll take it. Uh, somebody was wondering how uh, we met. Mm, was it through Joey? No, it was through uh, Creative Live. Oh, yeah. Because we were looking for stuff. I used to work for this company called Creative Live that was like an online education company. And um, we were looking for stuff to like play during our commercial breaks. And I found your videos. This is 2014, I think, maybe 2013 even. I yeah. found some of your videos and I was like, oh, hey, I, I, some, I emailed you, I think, or maybe, yeah. I, I guess. It's like, hey, would you, you know, would it be cool if we play some of your videos during our breaks if we credit you? And you're like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. Um, and uh, that's the first time we talked. And then I think years later, uh, somehow or another, maybe through Joey or something. I don't remember how we reconnected, but that's how we met. Yeah, URM stuff. Yeah, drive yeah. up. I, I don't remember. Yeah, Ashi wants to know how many guitars you're bringing on tour. This uh, is Ashi from Beartooth, by the way, and formerly City Lights, best band in the world. City Lights were sick. Only three. We're each of us only bring. We only have room for three because we suspect that Beartooth stage setup. Is going to be as such where we'll have approximately six feet to just kind of turn our bodies and move instead of hitting our our head on the pyro probably right pyro but it's worth it though i mean if if oh. uh if you're getting kicked out for pyro that's pretty good reason absolutely we hope there's tons of pyro yeah okay another question from ariana i don't know how to say it um Beartooth has two members of city lights and cam and ashi were both in city lights another question for both of you any advice for someone in their mid thirties who still struggles to find something they're passionate about? You want to start? Honestly, it's, you know, I see, well, I mean, like I see my daughter do that, but it's like, she's still hung up on what other people will think about what she's into. Ah, they're she's gonna, what? 20 now? 20 or just, you know, a month short of 20. So she's basically 20, but like, you got to be into something surely at 35. I mean, unless you're a serial killer, I don't know. Maybe you are. <laughs> Follow your passion. Accept that. Accept that, yes. Um, no, surely you're into something. Uh, you know, mo movie trivia, video games, um, something by 35. There should be, you should be able to easily identify something that you actually enjoy. What and do if you, you can't, you might have depression and you should talk to a doctor. That's where I was going with that. If you can't easily identify something in the first three seconds that question is asked, you should probably talk to somebody. And that's, and that's a great thing. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say the same thing. And also understand that, you know, not every moment of working on the thing that you're passionate about is going to be fun. You know, you can be you can be working on something that you love and you enjoy, and it's still going to be a grind sometimes. And that's part of the deal. You know, I mean, like, I don't like editing videos. Like, it's not fun. It's tedious. Love I that. I don't like it. 
that's the reason why I still shoot. But there is something you don't like about what you do, you know? Yeah, I, I hate setting up. I hate lights and the the. I, I hate that part too. That's why I'm lazy and I just set up a set. But so I I think it's like understand like there's a lot of people I think who believe that um there is a land in which you wake up every morning super excited for every moment of the day and that it's all wonderful and just every moment of your job is amazing and great and you know and and never stressful or boring or any of that stuff. And that world doesn't exist. No, there's there's parts of even the best job in the world that are, you know, tedious and boring and stressful and stuff like that. So I would say rather than, you know, waiting for inspiration, like just do shit, like do it every day for like six months or something, whether you feel like it or not. And and see if that doesn't sort of clarify things for you, because I think by then you realize like, okay, actually, I don't really like this thing that much. Or you will start to get success with it, and it'll become clear whether this is for you or not. So that that would be my advice. Which in, in your thirties, you should be you should develop that muscle. It's different, you know. If you're 19, like you know, people at that age don't necessarily have that gear. But if you're 35, you should you should have been through enough that you can grind. So that that's my advice. Agree. Here's a good question for you, since I've never been in a band. Do you feel there is value in hiring somebody for marketing as a new band to help start it? It depends on what your goals are. If you're a new band and, you know, because like now, with, uh, you know, especially since COVID, there's a lot of bands who are, you know, we're going to release music and we're never going to play a live show, but we're kind of more or less a studio band, but we're trying to push. Like I'm seeing those bands like sign record deals, oddly, that uh, I don't know. Marketing can be beneficial. It's a lot of money. Ideally, you want to live in the world of word of mouth. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I don't know. Like you're you're the marketing the marketing guru here. I mean, I think there's a time and a place for it. Um, it's incredibly expensive, so I would just be careful on what you really spend that money on and know ahead of time what you're really going to get out of it because it is not a magic bullet to just oh, it's going to get us in this. Uh, it's going to get us this write up or whatever because no one gives a shit about that stuff anyway. Yeah, it, it will do nothing. I think the time to spend money on marketing is when you've already gotten traction for something organically, like pouring fuel on the fire, where I think people want to use it is when there is not traction and they, they, they want to spend money on marketing to sort of go from zero to nothing. And that doesn't work. If you're not getting any any interest organically, you can spend all the money in the world. I mean, think about like every when you're on Facebook or YouTube or whatever, every like shitty ad for some like terrible local band that you've seen, if they spent 10 times more on ads, do you think that would make their band more successful? I, I don't think it would. I, I think that unless you have a product that people want, it's pointless to spend money on it. So yep. when you already have something people care about and like there's a bunch of people saying they're excited for your album, then spend money to advertise the album, but, but not until then. Advice for you to avoid burnout once you have found that passion. I fight that every once in a while. For me, you know, breaks are healthy. Unplugging is healthy. I'm so envious of some of my friends that are just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm going to turn off my phone for two weeks. See ya. Like, oh, I want to do that. I want to do that so bad. But, but then on the other part, like, it, that's tough for me to do. Um, I'm engaged all the time. It drives my girlfriend insane. But uh, breaks are good and healthy and needed uh, and whatever you feel is the length of break you need 
is what you need. Yeah, I, I think so too. Like I hate taking breaks. Like it feels, I just have that sort of gene. That's like, I feel like I'm being lazy and cheating if I ever take a break, but I know that it's necessary. So I force myself to do it. That kind of ties into what you were saying about like the age thing for me. Like, I feel like I got a second chance Yep. coming from the office world and the d- real domestic mowing the lawn. Hi world. Uh, I feel like I got a second chance and like, man, I better hurry up and like do some shit because I have like another, what, 30, 40 years, ideally, and then I'm out of here. So, so like, dude, can you imagine like a nightmare for me is being scheduled a vacation where you do absolutely nothing? Oh, God. Yes. And doesn't that sound like a fucking nightmare? It is in the same way as for other people. It's like stressful and scary and intimidating for them to, you know, to, to push themselves hard and do a lot of work. That's how I feel about not doing work. Agree. Oh my God. I'm like, okay. So we're going to the beach and there's no, like, I can't work for two days. <sighs> okay. This is going to be hard, but I can get through it. Is there a, is there a hot spot in the lifeguards chair? <laughs> <laughs> what if I get up early before everyone else? Can I do some work at least? You know, that's fine. But I know that it's important to take time off too and just let myself like recharge. I, I know that. From uh, Jarrett, biggest advice for someone releasing hard music entirely on their own? Um, it goes back to that word of mouth thing. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, I organically discovered uh, a brilliant man, Ben, uh, and he has a project called Cloud Kicker. And he did nothing. He posted it on Bandcamp. He just posts his albums on Bandcamp. He did nothing. He only recently got a a Facebook and an Instagram in the last year, I think. Um, He's been around for like a decade. And just because the music is so damn good, uh, you know, people wanted to share it. I would say focus, focus on the music, focus on the songs first and worry about all that shit later, but getting it out. And if it's, you know, people are going to see it. Don't worry about that yet. Focus on the music. Good advice. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. We'll give everybody one minute to, to ask any questions, have any more. Jarrett says, ha ha ha, man, I wish I had some connections. He set up this Discord for, he set up my Discord. He set up this Twitch. I have already introduced him in the past week to some pretty, I would say, important high-level people. You already have the connections. You just gotta, you gotta keep making the most of them. Sure. Everybody starts somewhere. Like, just think of it like, you know, think of it, like when you crack, like crack your windshield, like when one little pebble hits it and it goes like, you know, and your whole windshield is full of cracks, you start with whatever connection you have and, you know, build the web from there starts with just, you, you already know somebody for sure. So, all right. It sounds like that is all the questions we have. I'll let you go. Uh, thank you very much for, uh, joining us here. Hopefully we'll get to see IRL soon. We're moving to Olympia next week. So, um, yeah. And you told you waited to tell me right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess could have, but I don't know. We've we've been busy, but yeah, we're moving to Olympia. So we'll we'll be closer and hopefully we'll see you and be great to have you over. Coffee hangs. Yeah. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. 
Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Ready for a head-bangingly good time? Dive into the world of heavy metal with the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Here, we don't just talk music. We welcome you into our heavy metal family. Join us for candid chats with legends and rising stars. We go beyond the typical interviews, exploring raw emotions and the life-altering impact of heavy metal. So whether you're a diehard metalhead or just curious... Join our family and let the headbanging begin with the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.